is going to give them to you. He's got them there in the back. But we've been talking here about the Beatitudes. Amen. And last week, as I was uh, starting to talk a little bit last week to give us a little opening of the doorway a little bit, you know, I, I asked you, if you would, to put yourselves on the mount. Put yourself there listening to Jesus and and what you might have felt as he's, he was would be teaching and explaining. And as I told you, I'll get to the offering in a second. Amen. Brother Miller, can you pick up the Sunday school offering? Discipline offering? Discipleship offering. Thank you, sir. Amen. And uh, while he's teaching us, amen, He's he's coming down off the mountain and he's he's set and his disciples comes to him and he begins to teach them and he says blessed are the poor in spirit, amen. And we found out last week that that is dealing uh, with humility. We have to empty ourselves, amen. God can't begin to fill us. God cannot begin to show us and use us until we empty ourselves out. Now, you know that we've been talking on Wednesday night about overcoming the world and overcoming ourselves and things of that nature. And so this is what God is designed to do. The poor in spirits is the kingdom of heaven. And when we recognize that we are spiritually helpless without God, it should cause us to be drawn to Him. If I'm helpless in an area and I know that my help is over here, then I'm going to go towards that help that I need to get my life right. Jesus tells us in John 15:5, without me, you can do nothing. So we are spiritually helpless until we come unto the Lord. Amen. This is why Thomas in John 14, amen, we know in John 14 it says, you know, Jesus tells them, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it was not so, I will have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you shall be always. So, and the way I go and know. And what did Thomas say? Lord, I don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? You know, Thomas was basically, Lord, I'm helpless without you here. I don't know where you're going. You've got to help me here. You know, and Jesus tells him, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me in John 14 there. Amen. And so, once we realize that we're spiritually helpless without the Lord... Amen. It should cause us to be drawn to him. Amen. The centurion, you know, if you were to look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8 through 13, if you want to go there for a minute. We're talking a little bit. I'm, I'm just recapping a little bit from last week on the humility. Notice the centurion answered and said to the Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Notice here, amen, he says, I'm not even worthy that you should come into my house. You know, just speak the word. For I am a man under authority, and heaven's soldiers unto me. I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and this one come, and he come, and the servant do this, and he do it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, wow. <laughs> very, very, I say to you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all Israel. Yeah, uh, verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out and out of darkness, shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
verse 13. And Jesus said unto the Syrian, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Amen. And his servant was healed that very hour. Notice, it start with humility. He says, God, I am not even worthy that you should come under my roof. You know, this is the attitude that we should have with God. God, I am not worthy of what you are doing for me. God, I am not worthy that you pulled me out of the muck and the mire. You know, but I am thankful that you did. And it should keep me in a humble state, you know, and all that I do. Amen. Because if I empty myself, then God has room to fill me with his spirit. He has room to fill me with all of his uh knowledge and character and traits and attributes to, to make me and to mold me like he want me to be. As we see in Jeremiah 18, the Lord sends Jeremiah down to the potter's house and the potter is doing the work on the wheel and it has a mar in it and the potter pushes it down and he starts all fresh and anew and he makes a whole new vessel. Amen. And the Lord says, cannot I do with you as this potter does? Paul would later write to Timothy in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy in chapter 2. He says, you know, in every house there's not only vessels of gold and earth and wood and straw. And he says, some of them are honorable and some of them are dishonorable. He says, but if you purge yourself of these things, you can become a vessel of honor, meet and fit to be used by the master. See, and that's where humility comes in when we begin to humble ourselves. You know, Psalms 113 says, Who is like the Lord our God who humbled himself? God humbled himself and came to the earth. Paul says in Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and took of him the form of a servant, and being found in fashions of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So humility, we're just emptying ourselves up. We're coming humble, amen, before the Lord. Now, we saw last week uh, a couple of scriptures we looked. We saw that Solomon at eight years old when he took the kingdom, he prayed, and the Lord says, ask what you will. And Solomon says, "I, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. So just give your servant wisdom. He sought God for wisdom to be able to uh, come in and go out. He was humble in that respect. We see the same thing with Moses. Moses says, God, I'm not even eloquent, amen, to do what you're asking me to do. I can't even speak. You know, uh, he, he became humble in that respect. Gideon was behind the wine press and he was thrusting out and God came to him and says, uh, blessed art thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Lord, look, I am the least in my father's house. You know, I am not worthy here. Amen. So humility will bring us to that point to where Jesus has said, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, humility will get you to heaven. Pride will take you straight to hell. <laughs> Amen. So we need to get this in our mindset. Amen. Number two today. Amen. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Amen. 
repentance, repentance, our repentance here, amen, that we want to look at, that inward change of heart and the outward change of direction. A true heart of repentance usually don't leave an altar laughing. It's usually a true heart of repentance when it leaves the altar, there's tears flowing down your face. Amen. Because you're recognizing that your sins are, are terrible. <laughs> you know, when you look in, in the Old Testament and you're reading about bringing all these sacrifices and slaying and all that, that's a bloody mess, isn't it? Well, that's what sins is. Sins is a filth. It's a mess. And that's what God is trying to get us to see in these areas when they're bringing all these sacrifices for their sins, you know. And they're having to slay these things and burn it on the altar and everything. He's a type and shadow of how filthy sin really is. And it shows us that by the blood of Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away, your sins are forgiven. And the priest had to do certain things with the blood. Amen. So repentance here, amen, is, is a causing us to have an inward change of heart and an outward change of direction. When we are sorry for our sins, it leads us to God. Soon we're going to have to wake up and realize I can't keep on this same track and expect good results. The wages of sin, amen, Romans six twenty three is what? But what is the gift of God? I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Jesus says it's not the, the whole that need the doctor. It's the sick. Amen. Those that are sick. And if you're carrying your sins, you're still sick. You know, you've got to cast all your cares upon him because he careth for you. We want to have that mind of Christ. Keep humility in your mind at all times. Amen. So notice the Lord says, they that mourn shall be comforted. In 2 Corinthians, amen, chapter 7, verse 10, Paul tells the church, he says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, but sorry of the world worketh death. When you are truly sorry for what you have done, you know, it stays with you. Amen. If you just ask God to forgive you of fornication, if you ask God to give you, you know, of lying and cheating, and, and it doesn't affect you, and then you just go back and do it, keep doing it over and over again, that's not godly sorrow. See? Solomon says, he that being often reproved, harden his neck, will be destroyed, and that without remedy. See, when you are truly sorry, when God reveals to you your sin, when he shows you your wrong, and you go into that repentive state, because I want to change, that makes a difference. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Amen. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll capital. I'm going to start at verse 13, uh, Sister uh, uh, Peterson. Amen. And now notice, but the first part of this, uh, the first 12 verses, you can go back and read it in your time. You will find that God sends the prophet. Boy, in those days, it was a terrible thing, the prophet, to show up on your doorstep. You know. You know, you was in some serious trouble when the prophet came. 
Amen. So the first 12 verses is the prophet. God sends the prophet down to David to tell him a story about what he had done and stuff. And when David realized, he's, you know, the prophet is telling him the story that this guy comes through. He's a weary traveler. The guy takes his sheep and give it to the guy. And David says, whoever did this, he should be paid fourfold. And the prophet says, well, you the man. And David realized at this point that his sin is not hidden. And notice what David says, verse 13. David says that Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Notice, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord have also put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Notice, I have sinned against the Lord. David acknowledged his sins. Right there. He didn't blame anybody else for it. He didn't say, my mom did this, my dad did this, they did this to me, you know, and so this is why I did it. No, he claimed responsibility for his own actions. David says, I have sinned against God. Amen. And so once he recognizes this, notice what he does now. Go to chapter verse 16 through 19. Verse 16, David therefore sought the God for the child, and David fast and went in and laid all night upon the earth. How long did he do it? And the elders of his house arose and went to him and raised him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. Verse 18, and it came to pass on what day? The seventh day. So seven days David was praying and fasting and weeping before God. And the child died. And the servant of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, he spake unto him, He would not hearken unto our voices. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? Amen. Verse 19. But when David saw that his servant whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to the servant, is the child dead? And they say, he's dead. So for seven days, David is praying and fasting. Now, let's see what he was praying and fasting. Go to Psalms 51. Go to Psalms 51. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. See, this is a heart. This is a prayer when you are seriously sincere about your sin. When God reveals to you your wrong, you begin to cry out to God. I'm sure David is weeping and crying here. Notice what he says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2. Amen. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Amen. Wash me. Amen. He wanted to be clean. Amen. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He says, it's going to always be in my mind. It's always going to be there. And I'm acknowledging this sin that I have done. 
Amen. Verse 4. Against thee. Notice. Remember he says, I've sinned against you. Against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thy judgest. Verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Verse 6. Behold, thou desires truth where? In the inward, in your heart, in your mind. That's where God wants your, His truth to be. Amen. The Word of God it is the truth. Amen. When you put the Word of God inside of you, it keeps you cleansed. When you become a doer of God's Word, it keeps you clean. Amen. That inward, amen, in the inward verse, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. We need wisdom of God. We need understanding so that we don't keep doing the wrong things. When I acknowledge my sin, when God realizes my sin, I must now get some wisdom and understanding so I don't keep doing the wrong thing. Because God has forgiven me. Remember last week, verse John 5, at 1, 5 through 10. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteous. He wipes the slate clean. And so now I've got to have wisdom and knowledge so I don't keep doing the wrong thing. That's why God forgives me so I can be on the right path and the right track. Verse 7. Amen. Purge me with hyssop and cleanse and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. See, snow is a form and a shadow of purity. Amen. It's pure than snow. Nothing is supposed to be pure than snow. It's white and pure. It's cleansed. Amen. When it comes down. The hyssop was like a flower, a sweet-smelling flower. And you, as you read in the Old Testament, the priest would take it, this hyssop bush, and he would dip it in the blood, and he would sprinkle everything in the temple and the books and the people. It was like a sweet-smelling savor to forgiven of their sins. And so this is what he was doing. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. He says, you wash me. In other words, you sprinkle your blood upon me, God, because you can wipe these sins away and I'll be whiter than snow. All of it will be washed away. That's why when you repent of your sins with godly sorrow and you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you are to be now pure. You are to walk in purity. This is why Paul told Timothy, keep yourself pure. This is why Jude tells us, keep yourself in the love of God. Amen. Stay pure. Amen. Keep yourself. Don't be tainted by the things of the world. Don't go back to your old sins. Don't go back to the old way. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord God and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. You are to be cleansed now. You are the bride of Christ. You are preparing yourself for the coming of the Lord. Verse 8. Amen. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Amen. Your sins, when God reveals them, it's going to break you. Amen. But now you can get joy and gladness. Amen. And you can start rejoicing because you know God has forgiven you. Verse 9. Creating, hide not your face from my sins. You ever pray that? God don't hide it from me. 
Blot out my transgression. Blot out my iniquities. Isaiah says in 59, God's hand is not short that he can't reach you. And his ear is not deaf because that he can't hear you. But your sins separate you from God. See? But if you confess it, he'll come near. He'll draw right near to you. Amen. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors the way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me not the blood guiltliness, O God, thy God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing a lot of thy righteousness. Open thou my mouth, and my lips and thy mouth shall show forth thy praises. Amen. Verse 16. For thou desire not sacrifices, else will I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. For the sacrifices of God are broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. See, so notice here what takes place when David in that seven days is crying out to God. He's mourning. He's broken. He's contract. And as a result, amen, he's comforted. Now go back to Second Samuel chapter 12. Amen. Verse 20. Notice what happened. Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 20. And David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house and when he was, was quiet, they set bread before him and he did eat. Now he's comforted. Verse 24. Then says, and David comforted Bathsheba his wife. And went into her and lay with her and she bore a son and she called his name Solomon. And what happened? The Lord loved him. Amen. Notice here. He, he repents of his sins and he's comfort. When we mourn, blessed are they that mourn. When you're mourning because of your sins, when you're really crying out to God for your sins, God hears you. Amen. Over these things. And as a result... He wipes them away when we ask Him to cleanse us and we acknowledge them. And He comforts us. And this is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Amen. You know, there's professional mourners in the world. People just mourn, you know, but there's no comfort in that. Well, God is talking here about repentance. That's why on the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached about Jesus Christ, and he began to tell them that you have crucified the Lord of glory. You you knew what you've done. And they was pricked in their hearts. Amen? That means they was thoroughly uh, like a saber went into them. Their minds had sorrow. And as a result of this, they began to realize we're wrong. And so they turned to Peter. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Amen. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you to your children, and to all that are far off, even as men as Lord our God shall call away. Many other words did he testify and exalt, saying, save yourselves. 
from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word was baptized. There was added to them about 3,000 souls. So when they realized their error, when they realized the sin that they had done, they repented. And 3,000 people was, was comforted. That day, they was brought into the church. They began, as you keep reading, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. They began to become a part of the worship team because godly Saul worked repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but saw of the world. Amen. We're working death. Peter goes on and tells us in Acts 3, 12, 19, excuse me, Acts 3, 19, Peter says, repent. That your sins may be blotted out. That when the times of what? Refreshing. Amen. And God sends Jesus to your life. Repent. Change. Turn around. Amen. For there's times of refreshing. Isaiah says in Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, with stammering lips and another tongue, he said, I will speak to my people. Wherefore, he says, this is the rest that will call the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, but they will not hear. Amen. So we've got to realize that they that mourn over sins will be comforted. God will begin to put his arms around you. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So David acknowledges his sin and he is comforted. Isaiah chapter 55. Go to Isaiah 55 verse 6 through 13. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 through 13. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will what? Abundantly pardon. God will pardon you of your sins if you return to the Lord. Seek him while he may be found. Don't delay. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Amen. When God you reveals, when you hear, you know that you're not right. You need to take the action. Don't wait around. Don't delay. What hinder you? Amen. You don't want to keep going. You need to be comforted. Because it's your sins that is bearing you down and burdening you down that you can't get above that threshold. Amen. God has come to set the captives free. So you want to be able to be comforted and live in a comfortable state, knowing that your sins are forgiven and you are on the right track. Amen. So notice, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man in thought, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy, because he's a God of mercy. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord. And notice what it says, for God, turn to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. Amen. We have to accept God's word, because that's what he he came, to seek and to save that which is lost. He wants to forgive you. Amen. This is why he came, 
that we could be engrafted into the kingdom. Verse 8. For my thoughts, so not your thoughts. You, your thoughts is not like God's thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your thoughts and your thoughts, my ways than your, your ways and my ways and your thoughts than my thoughts, saith the Lord. For as the rain comes down from, and snow from heaven, and return not thither, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but accomplish that which pleases, and it shall prosper in the things wherein I send it. And what's going to happen? Notice, if you turn from your wicked ways, if you turn from your sins, if you turn to the Lord, He's using an analogy here. The same way the rain and the snow comes down is a form of washing. Is a form of bringing forth newness of life. Is a form of bringing forth fruit. The seed of God, the Word of God will be in you. And what will happen? God now sends it to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in your life. And this is what happens to you now. For you shall go out with joy. And you shall be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in the singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Amen. People will be excited. Amen. That you recognize that you was a sinner and you turned your heart to God and God's words accomplished and you what He sent it to do. And now you're going to go out because you're comforted. You've got joy. Amen. The joy of the Lord it becomes your strength. Amen. And the body of Christ, the trees began to break forth the shouting and praise because Jesus says heavens rejoices over one sinner that repents. Amen. When you are seriously about turning to God. You're going to be comforted. Amen. When you start mourning over those sins, you're going to be comforted because that's what His Word says. Amen. And you're going to go out. Amen. And He goes on in verse 13 here. And He says, instead of the, the thorns, you're going to come forth the fir tree. Those pricks and those things that's been hurting you. Amen. All that mess. Amen. Now you're going to be a fir tree is a green, evergreen tree. It's beautiful. Amen. You ever go up on the east coast around Maine, Montana, they got fir trees everywhere. I think we got some over here like you're going out by Thorpe over there on the left-hand side. Amen. Amen. Fir trees. Amen. They, they're beautiful. Amen. And instead of the briars, you ever go to South Carolina and see the myrtle trees? <laughs> the, the myrtle. I have myrtle trees. Is that right you pronounce? I'm from the south. Yeah, they'll murder. They'll murder you. <laughs> yeah, they hang them from the highest tree. <laughs> the myrtle tree. Myrtle tree. Amen. Beautiful trees. That's what you're going to be. Blessed is the man who walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the ways of sinners, nor sin in the seat of the scorner. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in the law that he meditate there. Now he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, shall bring forth fruit in his season, and leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what God is going to make you is a beautiful tree. And it will be a name to him and an everlasting sign. That will never be cut off. Think about it. You're going to be comforted. 
This is what God is trying to say. When you're mourning for your sins, you're going to be comfort. Amen. When you're poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. He wants to fill you now. He's on that road. Once you, you humble yourself, now God wants to fill you and make you what He wants you to be from the beginning. That beautiful tree. That everlasting tree, just like He is. Amen. Praise God. So we got to have that contract spirit within us, a broken heart, a broken and contract spirit. Oh God, you won't despise. Amen. Go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 uh, through 50. Luke chapter 7. We know the story about the woman with the alabaster box, right? And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would come eat with him. Verse 36. Luke 7, 36. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a... She's a sinner, right? Anybody ever been there? No, y'all never been sinners. I know you haven't. All right. <laughs> she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Amen. And stood at his feet behind him. Now, in the Jewish customs, usually when they're sitting down at the table, they put their feet out behind them. You know, they sat down. It's kind of like they kind of sat on their hips, kind of like up, you know, so and so their feet is out behind when they're sitting at the tables. Because the tables are so low and stuff, okay? And weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and to dry them and wipe them with the hairs of her hair, hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had been him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man... If he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is. That touch him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he says, Master, say on. And Jesus says, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. And one owed him 500 pence and the other owed him 50. Tell me. And when he had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he has forgiven most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to, and said to Simon, See thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she have washed my feet with tears, humility, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. More humility. Thou gives me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, had not ceased to kiss my feet. Deeper, deeper, deeper humility and sorrow. Who's going to kiss somebody's feet? Because in those days... They didn't have shoes and things like we had today. They wore sanders and dust and followed the camels and the sheep and stuff. I was in Israel, and it's not uncommon for a herd of sheep to come right through the city and drop in their droppings everywhere. 
Amen. My head with oil. Thou didst not anoint, but this woman have anointed my feet with ointment. Deeper, deeper, deeper more humidity. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, notice, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. She acknowledges her sins. Amen. And she goes out comforted. Amen. That's what it's all about. And this is what God wants. Amen. We, we have a broken heart. Notice what David says, a broken heart, a broken and contract spirit. Oh, God, you will not despise. She was broken. She was in tears. She was weeping. That's what godly sorrow does. Amen. When you recognize that your sins are weighing you down, they're more heavier than what you could ever handle, you begin to pour that thing out to God. You become broken and you become a contract spirit. Amen. Psalms 34:18. it says, the Lord is nigh to them that are a broken heart and save such as be of a contract spirit. Psalms 34, 18. Notice, God is close to you when you are broken. Amen. When you have a broken heart. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is nigh thee, them that are a broken heart and save such as has a contract spirit. Amen. That's the kind of heart God is looking for. Psalms one, uh, Psalm 66, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 66, 1 and 2. I look to the man that, amen, make a joyful noise unto the, um, God, O ye land. Verse 2. Sing forth with honor of his glory. Make his praise Glorious. Amen. But I think that's the wrong scripture. Amen. I thought it was 66, 1 and 2. I'll have to look it up and tell you which one it is. I wrote down the wrong one. But I, I meant Isaiah, excuse me. I told you Psalms. Isaiah. I got it right here. 66. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. My mistake, Sister Michaela. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, the heavens is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? Verse 2. For all those things have mine hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contract spirit and tremble at my word. When you hear the word of God and you realize your sins and you begin to say, I need to do something about my sins. Amen. That's the man that God's here. That's the woman that God's here. Amen. To cleanse you because brokenness and contract is what it's all about. Joel, Joel 2.13. Joel 2.13. Joel 2.13. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days. Joel, Joel, J-O-E-L, not Job. 
There we go. And rend your heart and not your garment. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repent at him of the evil. Rend your heart. Pull out your heart. Broken hearts. Broken and contrite spirit. See, in the old days, when they would be found wrong, they would take their garments and they'd pull them apart. You know? So Joel says, no, no, no. God has said, no, don't rent your clothes. Rent your heart. Because I want to give you a new heart. I want to take that old heart that's been causing you all the trouble and the sorrow and the pain and all the wrong that's been doing. And I want to give you a heart of flesh so that my word will take root within inside of you. And you will understand who I am and be able to live in comfort and peace. Amen. Because I want you to dwell with me forever. And I will forgive you of all those sins that you have done wrong. That's what God wants. He that mourns shall be comforted. Isaiah 61, verse 1 through verse 3. Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. Notice what Isaiah says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Notice, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirits, spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planet of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And notice Isaiah. So what do you think Jesus is preaching on the mount? The scriptures has to be fulfilled. So notice you just heard inside of that. Basically, that passage there, you just heard the Beatitudes. And that's what Jesus is bringing again. Now look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Blessed are the poor and spirit. See, the gospel brings you into a relationship and shows you your sins. You're wrong. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. So when I hear the gospel message of what God has done for me, it causes me to examine myself. It causes me to ask myself, am I on the wrong road or am I on the right road? 
that preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The same word for brokenhearted here is the same word used for contrite spirit. Amen. When you are contrite and broken, God will heal you. Amen. To preach deliverance to the captives. When you're captivated by sin, you've got to be set free. And so that's why the gospel is there for. To show you, to get you free from these things that have you bound. And recovery of sight to the blind. Sins have people blind. They can't see. This is why Paul says, if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them who's lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the glorious gospel of Christ shall be revealed unto them. See? So he's come for this person. And notice, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Sin bruises you. It binds you. Amen. The same word for bruise there in the Hebrew is the same word for contract and broken spirit. Amen. So notice what Jesus is doing here. He's just reverting and saying the same thing that had already been preached and taught that he would do. Amen. Verse 19. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now is the day of salvation. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Amen. You have to accept it now. Seek ye the Lord why he may be found. Call upon him why he is near. Verse 20. Notice verse 20. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and he sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue was fastened upon him. And now verse 21. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what Jesus was saying to them is what Isaiah had already prophesied to you would happen. I'm here for that purpose. I'm here. I am the one that he spoke of. I am the one that has come to seek and to save. I am the one that is here to forgive you of all your sins. When you are truly sorry for your sins, when you pour your heart out, when you are broken in contract, amen, for the things that you know is not right and goes against his word, Amen. When you begin to pour your heart out, God says, I will hear you and I will forgive you and I will comfort you and you shall go out with joy and shall be led forth with peace and the trees and they would clap their hands and the mountains and hills would break up forth in the singing. Amen. Because you have been set free. Amen. And he will show you how to live your life in a good and worthy state from this day forth. And evermore. Amen. As the psalmist says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts in the day of provocation. Amen. Don't harden your heart. Amen. When the word of God comes forth and God begins to talk to you and you know you're not right. Amen. You need to find the altar of repentance and allow God to change you so that you can go forth with peace and be led with joy. 
Amen. From this day forth. Amen. Praise God. Bless their day that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Amen. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the meek. Amen. So read. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today, God. Give us the understanding, Lord. Let your spirit dwell upon us. Strengthen us and guide us, Lord, in every place. We truly appreciate, God, all that you do. Thank you for your people today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.